answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. And I'm Pat McLean. Thank you for joining us on this Easter weekend. And... Um, Evans having a great week. It's yes. It feels like there's been some positive news in lots of parts of um, the medical side of things. Like some of the estimates aren't quite as bad. The financial markets had a good, great week. Crazy, um, crazy. Hopefully, people are feeling a little bit better. We have. Uh, I'm feeling better. We're expanding it for over Easter. We're expanding our cohort group to celebrate Easter Sunday with a. Some of our neighbors, so this is a big step. How for are you them. doing that? We're going to their house for dinner. In their house? Yes. Just sitting across the table within six feet? I don't know how close we're going to be to each other, but that's what we're My wife and I are still debating on what to do. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Come over. Well, I've kept distance <laughs> from you. Yeah, we've got a good four, five, there's six five, feet. Yeah, yeah there's six feet. We've moved feet. the mics from where they normally were. So. I don't know if you're supposed to do that or not, Pat. I, I listen. Uh, you have choices to be made. Um, my wife says we're doing this, and I said, <laughs> "Okay." okay. I, that's, that's the debate I've had with my wife on: Do we get together with her sister? That's and apparently a few weeks ago, when her sister came over, right at the early start of this, I was really adamant, like social distancing, and then um, you know, when it didn't quite happen, and then I, I apparently I, I wasn't a big. It wasn't a big hit when I came out with my chart showing what it meant by slow flattening the curve. This was oh, kind of the early oh, days. You, you, I, and so I went through with, <laughs> with my sister-in-law and my nephews and, and trying to educate them on the... Well, what I'm wrestling, Scott, is, is social distancing or spousal distancing. So I'm going <laughs> to... That's the... Ch- yeah. We're not it's, gonna- it's everyone... Look, everyone has a kind of a different view of the world. No, it's an interesting time. And... Um, for everybody, right? It yeah. clearly is. And this um, too shall pass. Yeah. We will come out. It will be different. Unfortunately, uh, the, there's a very small percentage of the population that is, um, it yeah, will take their lives. And that is yeah, that is um, what so, is really hard about all this. Hope you enjoy the uh, your Easter Sunday and go to, um, if you do such a thing, uh, online uh, worship. Yes. Yeah. There's amazing, um, all kinds of good things online now. Yeah. <laughs> I, Thursday morning, I used to get together with a bunch of guys. Now we're getting together on Zoom. You, you, it's not the same, is it? You know, it's not the same. In some ways, there's some parts of Zoom, and for those that are you working remotely and using video technology, there are some meetings when you get four or five people together on trying to tackle an issue and you've got sharing a screen back and forth. I almost wonder if it's more productive than being in a conference room. He's a little more focused. It seems highly focused. Yeah. But when you, but I've been And in you meet- can look into everyone's eyeballs. Uh, but when you get 10 or 15 people. There's too many people, you can't see all the screens. Yeah. It's and a- then you try to open up as many of the small screens as possible while still being able to sh- watch the screen share. Yeah. And it's changing the way we're all going to work. And- it's changing the way we're interacting with our clients significantly. And our clients seem to like it. Our clients seem to like it a lot. So. Well, partic- well, in this period of time when you can't, I guess go, you can't. Yeah, you that's do? true. That's true. I guess the, it's either no communication, you, or well, there's the phone. Yeah. Anyway, we'll Not, see where it goes. Yeah. It's, it's we're all learning through this. We are. So, so say a big prayer on. Uh, well, you don't have to wait till Sunday. <laughs> <You can laughs> say it anytime you want. It's tough prayer works. Yeah, and it would be. It'll be interesting when this is said and done. I think part of the concern that people have is with this expanded role of our government in our medical lives, in our financial lives, in our business lives, what freedoms are we going to lose going forward? And we look at China, and most of us say, oh, my gosh, I would not want to live in a society where there are cameras everywhere. When I walk into a restaurant, they scan me to know, and the government knows every 
waking moment where I am, what I'm thinking. There's social scoring. Yes. Which will prevent me from getting jobs, that sort of thing. And the, the religious freedoms there, I, didn't, I don't care what religion you're talking about. They're all, whether it's the Muslim or Christian, they're all they're, getting... Yeah, they're suppressed. In a big way. And... Um, well, even what happened in Israel where they actually came out and said, hey, by the way, uh, we've been tracking everyone's cell phone and where you're at for the last number of years. Uh, so just know that so that we can make sure you're social distancing. And the, the population is like, wow, we didn't know this. I know that's what's so interesting about all this yeah. because um, what it does to healthcare on the back end of this, what it does to taxes, taxes are most certainly going to go up. Uh, on the back end of this, and and we should we should begin worrying if you're an investor about inflation. I totally agree with you. You, you know, you should really worry about it. Last time I and when you say worry, you you should not ignore it, and you should uh, have some backup plans for when inflation starts creeping in. What steps are you going to take? Especially if you're if you've got a, a portfolio. If, if you're managing your own money or you have an advisor managing your money or a firm managing your money, you've got to recognize that inflation is – the likelihood is, is going to be um, high that there is actually going to be. Um, yeah, there will be some uh, – well, and the challenge now – so let's say you're freaked out about your 401K and you think I better move out into cash. You move into cash assets of some sort. Then what happens? What happens? If you have inflation, you don't have anything – Hedge off inflation. And why? what do you need to hedge inflation, Scott? Well, if you own company, inflation is rising prices. Right. And prices come from products and services. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> products and services. So uh, if, you, if the companies are increasing their prices on their products and services, you would rather be an owner of those companies. Correct. And owning a lot of things like bonds are not going to help you. Actually, it will hurt you. And it's an interesting time when you look at long-term bonds. The interest rates on them are so low. Ten year, even the U.S. many negative around the globe. People yes. are saying, "Just give me most of my money back, 10, 20 years out." And we have an inflation period of time. What's that mean for those bondholders? They're really in trouble. Yeah. What's it mean for insurance companies? Right. Yeah, insurance costs are going to go up across the board. And we might have heard that. Uh, heard that uh, people are getting rebates on some of their auto insurance. Oh, that's come a, on. That's a minor blip. Yeah, that's just, that's nothing. Although I do like, I'm not traveling a lot out there, but I sure do like the roads this way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, there is that. I just try to find the bright side in all these things, I guess, right? I mean, that's kind of what we need yeah. to do. So, hey, if you'd like to be part of All Worth Money Matters, uh, Scott and Pat would love to take your call. 833-99-WORTH. It's 833-99-WORTH. Triple, uh, numerically, it's, it's 833-999-6784. And before we take this call here, uh, I think it was two weeks ago when we talked about the CARES Act. And we, we, we did the show, and, and the, the, our, our, our helpers in the studio, our producer and call screener, they're like, well, that was sure a downer. And um, we try to be, I guess we try to be, I, I tend to be an optimist by nature. I just look for the best in things. But there's a certain amount of reality going on here that was hard to you can't really sugarcoat, and you need to look at with open eyes. Yeah. So if we were a little down two weeks ago, I don't remember that. Me. But I don't remember that. You almost cried. Uh I do remember that. <laughs> oh, I do remember that because this. You were so emotional you know, about some because of these- of the political. So I had a conversation with a client this morning it, because they sought the required minimum distributions. We sent a letter to every one of our clients that has required minimum distributions. said, you know, by the way, you can stop this. And he, I, on the way to the studio this morning, he asked, why did they do this, Pat? Why did the government do this? And I said, well, it affects one-tenth of one percent of the whole U.S. population. Those that don't like, those that are forced to take required minimum distributions, what that means is, they have more money saved for retirement than they actually need that's to right. live off. That's right. That <laughs> right? is that's it. And so the government says, look, at some point in time, you're gonna pay the taxes on it. So we're gonna make you start taking it out. You was 70 and a half, they just increased it to 72. And then now with the CARES Act, they said, for 2020, don't worry about it. So the client asked me why they do this. I said, my guess is there was someone there in 
the decision-making room that was 70 and didn't want to have to take, or 72 and didn't want to have to take the required minimum. You're probably was, right, because who's going to be lobbying I for that? I said, no one, no one should care about this. I said, this is the mere fact that what's going on in conversation I had less than an hour ago with a coin, the mere fact that the that it affects almost no one in America and they used energy to discuss it in the in the middle of this chaos, it's just... It's idiotic. It's just stupid. Now, don't don't take us wrong. For those clients of ours that are on required minimum distributions, for many of them, this is a nice reprieve for them, and yeah. we'll do the right kind of planning. They still might want to take out some, but it gives, yes. us, it gives us greater planning opportunities for the year. Out of all the things that you would have been discussing back there, Scott, would that have been one of them? No, and the, the, the concept that it's forcing you to sell in a down market is not correct either because, one, you can take – um, you can take securities out too. You can you can just duplicate the same. Or you could or you could sell bond portion of your portfolio, which I hope most people that are taking required minimum distributions don't have a hundred percent of their portfolios in stocks. Had they been taking our advice, they did not have hundred percent yeah. stocks at age seventy. Anyway, so that's that's it's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, let's um, let's take some calls. We're talking with Ron in Northern California. Ron, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Good morning, gentlemen. Hi, Ron. Um, my wife and I are, uh, uh, have been retired for 10-plus years. Uh, we have you know, IRA funds that we are required to take the required minimum distributions and all that. Uh, we're doing well despite the downfall. We've been fairly conservative. Uh, at the peak before the, the virus took over, uh, our portfolio is like 35% stock funds, 35% bonds, small uh, short-term bonds, and 30% money market. Um, I made one mistake when the first few uh, real downturns took place. I took 8000 out of our money market and stuck it into uh, our Roth fund, which we had at the time uh, about $65,000 in. I thought I was doing a good deal until it dropped by thousands from there. Uh, it still might have been the right decision. Yeah. If you go out two years from now or three years from now, that's when you want to measure it. Yeah, it's, it's, but in in the moment, the emotional part of it is real hard to contend with. To well, see those drops. And so as it wait, drops down further, I pulled money out of the regular RA on each level. So that 35% uh, stock and 35% bonds, uh, I totally dissipated most of the bonds down to 10% and the, and the stocks down to 20% when it hit around 20000 So since that time, and this is where I really am questioning how I do this now, since most of it's in now money market funds, I've been adding more to it gradually, um, and now I'm up to 24% stocks again. Am I seem to be on track, or is this a, a you completely a, an awkward and you completely not a, so a wise move? He's he reduced his stock and bond exposure early on, back. and the only reason you're asking this question is because the markets have begun to re have recovered some. Because if they were going down, you. Rather than buying when things were cheap, so you sold when they were low, and then you started a buying strategy when prices started becoming high again. Well, when they start, I I I wasn't doing much until it hit twenty thousand, and then I started buying. And fortunately, when I was starting to do that, it had those big bounces, and so I did fairly well on it. At this point, uh, from the top to now the bottom, where we're at now. Um, in terms of our portfolio, uh, we're only down about 5.6%. Well, what would you have done? What would you be down if you had left it alone? I don't know. And, I don't know. and, and uh, are you going to spend the money today? No, because, but... Because what you worry about, what you should think about is the not the consistency of the returns, but the rate of return on the date that you actually use the money. Not the consistency of the return. So what that means is if I'm going to take out $10,000 a year for the next 20 years, right? I'm not worried about what it does in year three, five, seven, ten. I just worry about that $10,000 in the year that I want to take it out. Does that make sense? It makes sense, except for from an emotional perspective. Well, of course, that's so. So that's hard to deal you know with. what's you it know, is hard to deal with. Do you know what's wrong with your portfolio, Ron? What you? <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> no, I no, and, that. and I mean that. I mean that sincerely. The problem is, you emotionally reacted to an external 
something that happened external, but your goals didn't change. And so you were reacting to something that was internal, which was external across the whole portfolio. When in fact, had you left it alone, your goals, in fact, I would make the argument. How old are you, Ron? 73. Okay. Soon I would be make 74. So let's just say you've got another, you've got a life expectancy of 15 years. If I was your advisor, I would have encouraged through the whole process, including the 10 years ago that you retired, that your portfolio have more equities in it, more stocks in it. Even right. now? Yes, even now. If, if, let, me, let me ask you this. If, I, wait, wait, Scott. If, in fact, you can actually, uh, if you could counsel yourself through it or have an advisor like myself counsel you through it. Well, that's why I'm calling because I do it myself. Well, correct. Okay. So, Scott, you had a, you had a statement. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember. You know, so one of the yes, I, I sent an email. I'm just being a little transparent. I sent an email. We have about 70 financial advisors, and I sent an email a week and a half ago to the team. We communicate in other ways besides emails, but sometimes I'll send an email. Sometimes we send a video. Sometimes we send to try to keep because everyone's working from home all over the place. And I title. I'm being very transparent here for a moment. I titled the the email vindication. And the, and in the email, I, I said to our advisors, I said, it's you know how challenging it's been the last few years, particularly 2019, when we're talking about approach of diversification, asset allocation, and when there were certain stocks that kept going higher, or the and people said, well, how my S and P was this? How come? I said, now that the markets are melting down, one, our strategies have proven they work. It's a it's a strategy designed to protect for storms, and two now it's when a clients need us and they and they know they need us, right? So, um, I would argue, and you could do whatever you want with this advice, but I would argue that you would be better served having a great financial advisor help guide you through through life. I've been doing this three decades. I started out when I got in the business in 1990. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was about 2,600. Today, it's over 20,000, whatever, then 22,000, 23,000, whatever it finishes the week. Right? So over that period of time, lots of ups and downs. I have never seen anyone who's done well by making shifts based upon the markets. It never works out well. They might be right once or twice, but then they miss something terrible on the other side. I, what I have seen well, as people that have had a, a, an allocation that's designed based upon a number of things, one, when they need the money— so how much of this money are we going to need to spend within less than, say, five years? And two, how much can someone withstand the ups and downs in the portfolio? Not much. Okay, well then, so that, that and then maybe you are the 35%. Maybe you should only have 20% in equities and, and 80%. That's what I was wondering when all is said and done, what I should go well, back up to well, in my me, own mind. Let me, so thinking 30% let me ask you this. How much of the, your investment, do you have a pension? I do. Does your spouse have a pension? Uh, no. Is your home paid for? She actually lost hers in one of the downturns. Half of it was dissipated within the six months that she retired. Well, the I don't understand. Oh, no, was so, it on uh, one company? No, so we talk about a monthly pension. You, you, she had a no. No, she took a lump sum and okay. then that fizzled. Well, how did it fizzle? Was it in one company? No, it was in. It was when with one of the. Large brokerage firms. Okay, and, but so uh, it fell in value, and then you sold it and went to cash at some point yeah, in time. Yeah, okay. If half of it was gone, it was. Yeah. So, so, but so, what happens? So you don't want to take temporary declines and turn them into permanent losses. That's that's mm -hmm. what you've yeah, been able to do. So, it, it, Ron. So that my question. No, let me finish. Scott, up. Let me finish. Gonna, he's not going to hire an advisor. No, no, no. Let me finish. So let me, the the money you have saved. Are you taking monthly income from it? Your investments. We do. We have the month, uh, uh, minimum distributions. Okay. Let's assume you didn't have to take distributions. Oh, and by the way, uh, what we ended up doing also, rightly or wrongly, in January, we had taken the entire lump sum distribution and uh, used that to purchase a Tahoe a home for vacation that we now can't use anyway. <laughs> so, so for people listening outside the area, uh, Ron's come from the Sacramento region. Lake Tahoe is about 100 miles away. And like a lot of these vacation towns, they say you're not allowed to come. And That's what they say. Are they giving you a break on property taxes? Huh? I don't think so. How do they, know, way, how do they not Ron, know it's your first home and that your Sacramento home is your second home? And I, th I think huh? 
I think my point, the point here, if you don't need, and if you don't need the income from this portfolio, you can do whatever you want with it. So we have clients, um, and I've talked to people that uh, have more than enough money, right? So they could take their money and shove it into the, a mattress. Uh, and never look at it, bury it in the backyard and never look at it again. And their income, their standard of living is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I've seen those people. I've seen extremes. I've seen some of those people saying, look, I've got more money than I need. Why in the world would I want to risk what I've got? I'm going to keep it ultra conservative. And for them, great. It's a good strategy. Well, Why I not? thought I was pretty conservative with 35% stock. Is Would you consider that conservative? Yeah, yeah, but conservative for who? Not for you. But conservative for me. So you might, the the point is, and I've seen other people that I've literally seen 100% in equities. They say, I don't, I'm not going to touch these dollars in my lifetime. What do I care? I'm going to have it as aggressive as possible. Uh, And I'm going to, I'm going to ignore it. These are for my kids, grandkids, whatever. I personally have one of those accounts myself. It's 100% in stocks. I don't, I. My 401k is 100% in stocks. All Worth Financial manages the portfolio. It, it, it's in a model that we use at Allworth. My wife said to me, we lost quite a bit of money on this. And I'm like, what do we care? <laughs> I mean, we're not going to spend this portion of the money I know is going to go to my kids. What do I care? Right? Well, you know that you, the yeah, highest probability of the account balance uh, down the road is going to be greater. There's never been a 15-year period in the history of our, or at least from recorded history of our country, where stocks have not outperformed bonds, even if you bought right before the crash in 1929. But that's 15 years. That's a long time. But so, Ron, your portfolio should be 30 percent, 35 percent equities, or or 20 percent, or 10 percent, or 10 percent, or 100 percent equities, or, or it doesn't matter. Maybe all CDs. I don't know. But to manage yourself psychologically. I would consider, if you don't hire an advisor, I would consider taking a third of the portfolio and putting it in its own account and putting 100% stocks in there, and then you just never open that statement. Oh, that would be so hard to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, our advice. I mean, you, uh, you, you, know, but, what, you know what I enjoy about and Ron, I appreciate this call because we are all dealing with this at different levels, right? Okay. Every one of us, we are human beings we're emotional people. We uh, are designed to avoid pain, to avoid things that are going to harm us. We have learned to get away from those things. And that's what's so challenging about being a long-term investor is when we find see our portfolios decline in value, it feels like destruction. We are losing. We want, And our natural impulse is to pull in and protect, mm-hmm. right, and to cash in and to hold, hold those but that's not what's going to give us the best long-term re- returns. And we're emotional in every area of our life. Look, and the reason Weight Watchers have people come and there's a community, is, it's not because they know. Yeah, eat more, eat less, exercise more. I mean, but, but the reason you join the community. People go to AA, look, it's not look, because they know that they shouldn't drink. It's because they need the community. I that's, mean, that's just reality that's right. in Listen, lots of areas. And, and some people have the dis- Scott Hansen could go to the gym every day and work out. And it doesn't. When it's open. Not me. I actually, I have to join a group where I go and work out with groups of people because I don't have the discipline to go every day. I don't enjoy it that much. But Ron, the correct portfolio is the one that's right for you. The one that you'll own over a long period of time and not react to. And not not worry about. Yeah, correct. correct. That's right. That's right. Okay. I appreciate your words, gentlemen. Okay. Listen, Ron. I'm glad you called. This uh, is a good call. This is, look it. You're as normal as the next guy. That's right. Don't don't beat so. yourself Have up. Have a good Easter. All right, you too. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks. Ron. He's thinking, don't don't, don't beat yourself. Up. Those guys. Yeah, don't beat yourself up. <laughs> we'll beat you up. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's hard. hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's not easy. Well, it, listen, especially if you have a spouse that's involved in it and they have a little bit different view, makes it even harder. Makes it even harder. And so often, what feel what's right in front of us feels like it's going to be like this yeah, forever. Listen, like, the good times feel like they'll go forever, and the bad times feel like they'll never end. So, and this pandemic true. won't get through this coronavirus, yeah. COVID nineteen. This pandemic will pass. Yeah, there'll be something else in the future. There'll be something else. In the future. Seventy. Uh, uh, a client of mine. He's seventy. How old is he? Seventy three. 
retired doctor. He was a university professor. He said, eh, you know, Pat, I've been around a long time. This is just something we never expected, but this too shall go away. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. He's 100% right. My, my father passed away in December, and he, he was uh, – he had a master's in some sort of biology. He would have he was fat he he would have been fascinated by this. He would have been so fun to talk to about this because he would have just kind of looked at it from a and if you kind of step back a little I mean if you kind of just dropped in and started looking at planet Earth and yeah. what was going on right now, you'd be a little perplexed by it all. Well your dad was fun to talk to, period. Yeah. Anyway, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take some calls uh, to join Allworth's eight three three. 99 worth and also want to talk a little bit about um a couple studies that some economists have done on behavioral finance so kind of continuing where we where we start with the program on just why why we tend to do things that are harmful to our portfolio so stick around for more of all worth's money matters with scott hansen and pat mclean we'll be right back can't get enough of all worth's money matters visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the money matters podcast Welcome back to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McClain. Thanks for sticking around on this Easter weekend. 833-99-WORTH will get you to be part of our program. Let's talk with Sean. Sean, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Thank well, you, Sean. Th- thanks for waiting. No, not a problem. So, like your previous caller, I am in an emotional roller coaster, but a different kind of situation. Our employer basically last fall decided with our 401k plan to switch administrators. And the date of that was somewhat ironic that we entered basically into a blackout period from February 12th through March 18th, right? When the oh my gosh. To- <laughs> That's unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah. And so effectively, I'm 45 years old um, and I've been 100 percent in equities for basically my career. I don't plan to touch this for at least 15, 20, 25 more years. Um, And so during that transition, essentially from one TPA to the other, my entire 401k balance was liquidated and put into a cash account. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Okay. So then what happened was it was supposed to map. Basically, yeah. the new administrator was supposed to map it to like funds. Yes. Well, as the as the market was crashing, the new administrator allowed employees to go into the new platform and basically stop that transfer and leave it in cash. Okay. Before the blackout period resolved, and so I saw the market crashing, and it just created an emotional roller coaster. And so, prior to the blackout ending, since it was already in cash, I just went in there and made one click on the computer. And my entire 401k balance of 20 years was put was kept into cash. You did oh, that wait, did so you, came, on February 12th. Or so th- it started on February 12th, and then yes, and so it was lit. It was it was essentially the entire fund for the entire company. This is a small company in Sacramento, about eight and a half million dollars in the plan, and basically it was liquefied everything into a money market account and then it was supposed to map over so every on the same day have it mapped on, over. on the same day or the day no, after it was supposed to it was supposed to occur i think on the day after uh, yeah, we same day or the day after they, yeah and okay. so we were able to go in any employee who chose to and i was one of them and okay basically say no don't map it over and i left it in cash got it got it got it got it so our fear was is that the third party administrator had made the mistake. You actually physically went I in and clicked that, the button. I was hoping that they cashed you out on February 12th and uh, just mechanically and then bought you back in on March 18th. Okay, that so, so you decided not to map. You decided to leave it in cash rather than map, correct? Correct. Okay, what's which your date did you do that? that? What's it matter? Well, it. it well, I guess it technically matters. Matter. So it essentially it cashed out at the top, yeah. you know, on February 12th. And then on the 18th, I still had it in cash as it continued to drive down, you uh-huh. know, on the 20th and the, of March and so forth. Okay. And so now I'm having an opposite kind of emotional experience. And, and that is, okay, I'm sitting at 45 with my, with my entire 401k balance in cash. And how do I get back in the market? Just, Just go, in. Go, in. Go, in. go in, go in, go in, go in, go in, go in. So 100%, go in. 45% a week. Go in. No, Just no, go in. 100%. Hundred percent. Look, okay. The the the, the reality. Look, go ahead. The, well, the reality is, you might miss it by a week or two weeks or six or a months, months or six months or whatever, right? 
But we're not going to know whether we missed it or didn't miss it. You're 45. You've got 20 years to grow on this thing. You should have never hit that button to begin with, but you hit it. That damage is done or not done. Maybe it was good. Maybe it was bad. We don't know. Um, well, it, I, for me, it's been good because it cash. It it'll be good if you get back in. You get back in. The challenge yeah. is you've got to okay. be right. You've when you start timing the market, you have to be right. Not only when you sell, but when you buy. So the challenge you've got now is like, uh oh, how do I get back in? Do I dollar cost average in? If so, how long? If dollar cost averaging was a technique to increase returns, then whenever you're fully invested, you should get sell everything out, go to cash, and dollar cost average back in over the next 12 or 24 months or whatever you do. Or do it in a cycle. Dollar cash in, dollar <laughs> cash out, dollar cash in, dollar cash out. It's more of an emotional thing that people feel better about it. it, it long term, it's not gonna, it, it doesn't enhance it, your returns. Listen, if, Sean, if it, were, if it were me, I'd do it today. I'd just go Monday in. Morning. And I would, Monday morning, I would, well, you could put in the trades today. Um, just go in and build the trades, build a portfolio that is 100% equities um, and 15 to 20% of it international exposure and let it, let it rip. Mostly large All cap. Right. And I would call yep. count this not as skill, but luck. Yeah, just luck. No, that's the new. The new uh, administrator said that they had never seen such luck before. So I'll take the yeah, luck. Yeah, well, luck counts too. It. Luck counts too. But sometimes people can confuse luck with skill, and then they they get hurt in the, down the road doing something else. But good for you. Well, so. and I'll t and I'll tell you, I've been I've been contributing for twenty years and have never thought about it. I, I'm one of those people that never opens up the statement and has been a hundred percent in equities. And I've lost more sleep in the last week every time the market's going up. Then I I just don't oh, want to ever think about it again. So so you're what's interesting is look. So the and, last caller, Ron, he had a he had a he had yeah. fear on his shoulder, and that was and causing him angst. Yeah. And you had greed on your shoulder, which is causing <laughs> you angst, right? I don't know if you call. I mean, greed's well, a weird look, word. But, but Scott, there is there's we all have these two emotions, right? Fear and and wanting more and wanting more. We'll call. It well, he knows that long term, it's not going to have yeah. a retirement. Just have if a cash. Sean, what's the account balance today? Uh, about eight hundred. Okay, good for you. So, and the 45. reason I asked that question is, well, I started uh, my very first real job out of college. I started putting the maximum I could into a four hundred one k, even though I couldn't afford it. And I, I have a bunch of college aid kids that my own that their friends come to me and they say, Mr. McLean, I got this job. Can you allocate the 401k? And then I say, well, you don't have to call me Mr. McLean anymore. You call me Pat because <laughs> you are an adult. <laughs> and then I share with them the experiences of putting money in on a consistent basis where your account balance will be $800,000 or a million dollars in 20 or 25 years. And they, they find it hard to believe, but you're a perfect example. You've been yeah. putting pretty close to the maximum the whole time, I guess, and you've kept it all equities. And it's that's why, if you look at your deposits, it's probably a third of the amount of what the account balance is. Right, right. Good for and you. And it needs to just sit there for another 20 years. That's, so that's right. That's how I'm looking at it. Well, and but keep this in mind, Sean. Um, one, the day you go back in, surely the next day the markets are going to fall. It just happens. <laughs> Just happens. You once you buy into something, it's gonna fall the next day. I don't know if that's actually <laughs> historically correct or not, but it just feels that way. It seems that way. So be prepared, and be prepared for the S and P five hundred, the overall market, to hit new lows. It could very well go lower than what it's been, or not, or not. We have no idea. And if anyone had any idea, then we wouldn't have to be long term investors. We could just be yeah, great speculators. And I think that's what was making me nervous because I was I'd never been in this situation before. And I was thinking, should I put 25% in now and no. go 25 a week for four weeks or, or, no. or once a month or no. whatnot? Yeah. You know what you should hope okay. for, just selfishly? You should hope the next decade is absolutely dreadful returns for the stock market. You should hope that the economy gets back growing, things go well, but everyone's fearful of stocks because you are putting money in every paycheck, you're buying more. So you should hope, actually, for the next 20 years, dismal returns for equity investors and a tremendous rally right before you retire. Fair enough. Yeah, but buying low. <laughs> Scott, don't say that. I said for him personally. Selfishly, So what, yes. what I'm – the point for is him, when you're 45, so. these are dollars you're not going to need yeah. for 20 years. Yeah. We know the highest probability of success for you is to stay fully invested during these times. I'm 53. My 401K is 100% in equities. Um, 
and I'm 57, and mine is as it, well. It, it might fall much further. I don't know. It does. I'm pretty confident that 20 years now it's going to be much higher than it's it is today. what the value is on the, of that particular part of the portfolio. The day you need it. The day you need it. Not the whole portfolio, just that particular part of the portfolio when the day you need it. Yeah. So appreciate the call. Yeah, glad you called, and uh, we wish you well. What an interesting thing, getting back-to-back. Blocked out of your 401k. All right, um, let's continue on with calls here at Allworth. We're going to talk with Charles. Charles, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Yes, good morning. Hi, Charles. Uh, I have a uh, Good morning. I have a question uh, regarding refinance. I think I'm doing a little analysis paralysis. Uh, so I, I currently have a, a, a two, sorry, 3.875 mortgage. Um, house is worth about 700000 I have a balance of about 260000 but uh, I, I've got a, a no-cost 3.25, so it would take more than half a point off. I'm about eight years into it. Um, it seems like – I'm, so, I'm sorry. Know. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the current rate is 3.875, and they're offering you a 3.25. Is that what you – He's got a 30-year with eight years into it, so it's 22 years left. Got it. That's right. Okay. okay. So uh, – and my, my – the reason I started looking was I like the idea of the cash flow uh, and quite frankly, just investing what the savings, you know, the, let's call it $300, month, $300 a month savings I would throw right into the market, especially now. Uh, the only thing that keeps me from doing it is just the idea of starting over. You, you know, don't, those you don't have now, to. How, I, well, how old are you? Okay. 57. And when do you plan on retiring? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Probably five to ten years. And do you have money in the bank? Yes. How much money do you have in the bank? About a hundred thousand in just cash. And what's it doing there? Where'd you get it, and what what what's the purpose of that? Uh, it, it's a little bit left over from a bunch of houses I sold, and then um, I, I do have some kitchen remodel that I've got planned, but I don't. I hope not to spend the entire 100K. And do you own any other... <laughs> it uh, might be cheaper to do some remodels here in a couple months than it was a month or two ago. Yeah. Do you own yeah. any other... Uh, do you have any other debt on either rental properties or cars or anything like that out there? No, I have zero debt other than this one mortgage. Do you have a desire to have your home paid off at retirement? That is the idea. Currently, I, uh, I have... I take... Uh, I put two grand a month into a an IRA that I roll over as often as I can into a Roth, but I'm wait two grand a month. That. Wait, wait, you said two grand a month yes. into an IRA or a four hundred one k. Four hundred one k, I I max out, uh, uh, but then in addition to that, I roll two thousand into an IRA a month. A month. Well, you can't put. You're not allowed to put that much into an IRA on a monthly basis. How do you do uh, that? Well, I, it's sorry. So it's uh, it goes into an account that is is a mark. Maybe what? Sorry, it's a it's a money market, and then I roll out of that into the Roth. Okay, but you can only. What's your family income? Uh, last year it was about three hundred. Okay, so you, I gotta just tell you, Ron. It's not Ron. It's Charles. What you're saying absolutely makes no sense to us because you're violating all kinds of rules here. If you're actually doing what you say, if you're, you're doing. doing what you say <laughs> yeah. you're doing, okay, you can't. You, 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 your income's such you can't contribute to Roth. You could do a backdoor of six thousand a year plus the catch up. What seven grand, sixty five hundred? That yeah. is what I'm. That is a what year, I'm a year for both Not you and your spouse. So you said twenty four thousand, right. and the maximum you could do is thirteen to fourteen. So yeah, we're so super I'm, confused. I'm, Let me just tell you, we're super confused. But back to your mortgage. The, the reason we ask all these questions about your situation is it might make sense for you. It most certainly would make sense for you to actually refinance this mortgage into a 3.25. It's more likely that you should refinance this mortgage into a 10-year or 6-year or 5-year or 15-year. Or Quit the contributions. Um, by the way, it's confusing to us. Take some of that hundred grand out of the bank and pay down that mortgage a little bit, and then try to amortize that mortgage so it's paid off in by the date you retire. 
So if I was your financial okay. advisor and sitting across the table from you, we would start from what we call needs-based or wants-based financial planning. You asked a technical question, and we asked personal on one, questions. One, one very piece of your life. Right. So you, so you asked, mm-hmm. we asked, when do you want to retire? What, so these things. So if the, the answer is yes, you should refinance. The question is, not for 30 years. You shouldn't refinance for 30 years. My guess is you re- should refinance for at least a minimum of 15 years, probably shorter. Are you planning on staying in this house long term? Yes. Okay. So the answer is yes, you what should do you refinance. Have, what do you have saved? In, do you have a, are you going to have a pension at retirement? No, no, I just have a 401k. Um, I, I haven't looked at it in a while, but... It, you know, I mean, I, I, well, here's what I think you really... How much is in your 401k? Uh, it was 900 or so when I last looked at it. Okay. So Before Scott, the drop. Go ahead. I, I, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, so you've got three years worth of savings in your 401k. Three years of annual income in your 401k. Mm-hmm. If you were my older brother, because I'm 53, you'd be my older brother. If you are my older brother, I'd say, Charles... I'd probably call you Charlie because you've been my brother. Or Chuck. 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 Or, Ch- or Chas. I mean, there's so many different things we could call a guy named Charles. I'd say, Charles, get get with a good financial planner and do a financial and retirement plan where you look at all you, where are your assets, your income, what's the retirement goals, when do you plan on retiring, and get those things lined up and work backwards from there. Because when with the right kind of planning, then we start asking ourselves things like, how do we how do we going to replace that pay, your paycheck at retirement? How are we going to replace that income? What are expenses? We're we're a fan for ninety percent of people having their mortgages paid off because if they don't have the that monthly income going out to make their mortgage payment, they don't need as much money coming in. They don't need as much investment uh, set aside. So, I mean, that's one of the pieces of the equation. We can play some what ifs if people choose not to because. Markets don't always go up, as we've seen right now. So sometimes just having that mortgage paid off. So looking at, all right, how do we get that mortgage paid off? How do we make sure? And then how do you replace this income? If you've been, is it been many, many years you've been make your family's been making this type of income, this 300? Uh, yeah, I mean, three, last year was the best. I mean, we're, we're, we're always somewhere between two and three for the last close to a decade. I okay. Guess. And are you supporting children at this point in time? No. Okay, so you don't have enough saved, Charles. Unless you've got several, unless you've got a bunch of other investments we, we haven't asked about. Do you have? Uh, no, no. Okay. I, I think the the other proviso that we have is that, um, well, literally we live on my li- my wife's income. So pretty much, you know, I, I max out my 401k, I ma- max out my HSA, mm-hmm. I buy company stock, uh-huh. then I pay taxes. Uh-huh. And then whatever's left gets invested in this Morgan Stanley account, et cetera. Or, or I, I will also put two, two grand into the bank. How much do you have in the Morgan Stanley account? Oh, I just recently started that. I think it's, uh, you know, it's got to be $25,000. Yeah, yeah. So, so, the, the, so you the, – you don't – this is all haphazard. You're asking a certain yep. question – Without doing the full diagnosis. So, so there, and you said five to 10 years in retirement. Based upon what you're doing today, it's going to be at least five years. Yeah, um, I, I, will. I hope so. It, I would like to keep working. It will most likely be 10 years. And so if I was your advisor, uh, I would, you know, frankly say, you know, look, this is a lot of money. But it's not a lot of money compared to the income you make, the money you have saved. It's it's It sounds like it's right around a million dollars. That's three years of income. You're going to either change some lifestyle. Unless they live very modestly now, but it doesn't It doesn't sound like it. No, actually we do. I mean, like I said. But for my, the last de- we, decade, you've had pretty high income. Sure. Maybe you do. I mean, what I'm not, okay. we're not so, here to so, do Charles, that's Charles, so, But here, here, the answer to your original question is yes, refinance this mortgage. Refinance it into a 15-year fixed rate. You're going to lower... You're going to lower the time in. You don't, by the way, you don't have to. You could get a 30-year mortgage and pay it out over 22. So you don't have to start all over again. But you do sure. want to refinance this into a lower interest rate, and you want to do it at a 15-year fixed rate, and then you want to pay at least the the minimums there. If I was your advisor, my guess is I'd probably uh, accelerate the payment so that it's paid off in 10 years. 
I would then go back and question this Roth IRA thing that you spoke of, which I don't think you're doing, by the way. I think that, that, that there's something else going on there. And then I would look to make sure that you could retire in 10 years and I'd build a plan around that. So appreciate the call. Yeah. yeah. We wish you well, well Charles. And, uh, and I tell you, Pat, when it's times like this that people feel good about having their home paid off. And sometimes people argue with us about it because we've, we've, if you've listened to the show long enough – we're big proponents on getting to retirement with a home paid off. So if you're finding yourself mid-50s, it's like you still owe money in your house. How do we get to the point where your home is paid off? Because, look, we saw the stock market fall, what, 32% from its to, – who knows where the bottom – if we hit the bottom or we're going to hit retest new lows. But it was 32% from top to bottom. Yep. Uh, if people if, – if people have a home paid off and they don't need to make that monthly mortgage payment – they can feel more confident with their investments and like, you know what? It's down in value. I don't need it today. I can let it go back, wait till it grows in value. It helps build an economic economic wall be, for you and yours. It helps build an economic wall or barrier or a level of protection, safety. And your home is paid for. For you and yours. Yes. You, your spouse, your children, your relatives, whatever it is, right? Now, I could do lots of scenarios to say why you'd be better off keeping a big mortgage and investing in the market. I can. I actually understand the numbers probably better than most. But you also understand human behavior. And, the, and, and the, human behavior is our biggest driver in investments, not the markets. Yes. Right. So having your home paid off, and I know there's some advisors that say that's just stupid. You're going to get a higher rate of return. Uh, but but by the way, now that's not according to studies that show for how investors do versus the markets. But by the way, you know that that loan that you're actually taking out, someone doesn't believe you because they lent you that money. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right? Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. 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 It's a bond portion of their yeah, portfolio. I understand. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, and unless one is um, uh, believes that they should be 100 percent in equities. Or rentals, or not have any sort of bonds and cash in their portfolio. Then you could make that argument. You know, speaking of rentals, um, <laughs> it looks like about a third of of rentals, and as far as home rentals, apartments, people did not pay their rent this last month because the month, the month of April. Because because the government come, came out and said you can't foreclose on anybody. Mm -hmm. And then they started doing it for commercial properties as well. We're seeing a commercial part. You know, it's been a really interesting uh, WeWork. We talked about this in the past, the big um, company, that SoftBank. Yeah. What was SoftBank's, that? you want to. What was wanna, the guy's you, name? You, Adam Newman? Was that his? Yeah, but the SoftBank, what's that guy's name for SoftBank? He created one of the big telecom companies in Japan. And sometimes people get confused. They, they have a certain expertise in an industry. They build a company. They have great success. And they think just because they had success in that one industry that they're going to have a success in everything they've touched. I think that's what this guy's problem. And, and he invested in all kinds of... Yeah, he the raised $100 fund, billion. $100 billion. Dollars. They were going to value WeWork at something stupid. Crazy. Then they were going to give him another $4 billion. They just decided to back out. WeWork, <laughs> which we were scratching our heads like, we don't quite understand this business model anyway. But now... Um, they backed out. It looks like the crazy founders maybe not getting the seven hundred million he thought he was going to get. <laughs> but now they're not paying their rents. Oh, we well, that was always one of the big arguments. That was one of the that was one of the big arguments against them, which is I I know some commercial. We said what happens during a downturn when the demand for we were how look this is co sharing office space. That's yeah. what their business plan was, right? Yeah. Co-sharing office space, you can leave the house, come co-sharing office space, which is totally opposite what Evan's doing right now. And their business model was to enter long-term leases with 15, the landlords to get a better rate and then sell them short-term leases uh, to their tenants over a period of time. Looks good on paper, but you still have to pay the lease leases long-term, even though people don't want the space short-term. So we talk a lot about being properly diversified here, being long-term investors. However, if you, before this downturn, found yourself, you loaded up higher proportion than maybe was recommended in things such as real estate investment trusts, um, 
things like equipment leasing, airplane leasing. You know there are investment vehicles that you could have bought into that leased airplanes? Master like, limited partnerships. Oil and gas partnerships. Yeah, all these kind of And if you've listened to this program for long enough, you, every once in a while we get these calls where people, they're all focused on dividend yield. How much dividend is something? We're going to build a portfolio with these high dividends. And that causes people to, instead of looking at the uh, economic of the underlying organization and the risk that could be involved, to see searching for yields. But think about if you own, what if you had a good chunk of your investment in a real estate trust owning New Manhattan real estate? Right now. Yes, not good. And who knows when this is all or said and done? How long is it going to be before someone says, I love living in a big city? Theaters, nursing homes, right? Restaurants. They exist. Those all exist. Those are, those are types of investments that are packaged and sold. And they're typically sold because they have high yields. Means high current income. You hear the commercials. People talk about... There was yeah. one not long ago, it was 18 to 20% 18% on commercial buildings. targeted, targeted, which basically means we hope, we hope, we hope. That's what they, they mean by targeted. So it's just all, it's all more garbage. But if you own that now, it doesn't mean you should necessarily own that through this. That's exactly right. Some things are never coming back. They, some things. So if you've got things stuff that in, were highly leveraged you, that you, are going to go into default. Yeah. So people say, oh, stick with it. Not you always. always stick with it if you've got something worth sticking with that, that started actually as an appropriate investment vehicle. But you got every investor it. right now should know two things. Know what you own and why you own it. What you own and why you own it. Anyway, we are about out of time on this Easter weekend. We are grateful that you've been with us. want to let, uh, uh, let you all know that we've put together a lot of resources the last number of weeks uh, coming into this downturn. Uh, blogs, podcasts, briefs, video briefs, 20-minute um, uh, videos on forced retirement, furloughed financial plan, Surviving financial shocks. I forget the names of them. If you go to our website, right at the top is a little COVID-19, whatever we're calling it. Click on there. It's going to give you a list of a bunch of these things. I think you'll find it helpful on education-wise. And by the way, if you think this program's been helpful, please let your friends know. If you're listening to a, vodka, a podcast, share it with them. And please rate it as, as well if you're a podcast listener. Give this thing a rate. Appreciate your time. We're out of time. We'll see you next week. This has been All Worth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.